All right. How's everyone doing this morning? Feeling good? Ready to go? Awesome. You look wide awake. I even heard a couple woohoos. As Michael was giving the announcements, this the Psalm 103 scripture challenge, he said we're on verse 17 and 18, which made me think, I got a busy week ahead of me. I'm a few, I'm a few verses behind. I think I'm about six behind. So, and some of you are thinking, yikes, I got 18 verses to get, get caught up on. Um, the kids have been learning this uh, passage of scripture, this chapter, Psalm 103, up in kids' church. The wonderful Alan and Jeanette Bach, who uh, head up our kids' ministry up there, they have been putting the verses to a song. So maybe you've heard your kids singing a song. So Alan posted that song on our Homestead Facebook page if your kids are wanting that. And I think today they might be adding some actions to it. So they're putting us to shame as kids. They've got this thing, they've got this thing down, so we got some work to do, grown-ups. Um, we are going to, uh, today is going to be a special day. We're going to continue our series looking through the Gospel of Luke, but also we are going to highlight um, our trip to Panama a little bit. We have a couple people, a few people that are going to come up in a couple minutes to share. We got back on Monday night. Uh, there was a team from Homestead here that went down to Panama City, Panama, which is different than Panama City, Florida. Um, in case you're wondering, it's, it's the one where the canal goes through. Um, so we were there um, for a week doing uh, high school assemblies, middle school, high school assemblies. There was volunteers, 300 volunteers from all around the country that came down. Uh, we served during the week, and then um, in the evenings we got prepared for a big conference, kind of the main event for the week that we do at the end of the week. And so we've gone down, Christy and I have done this for five years now, and um, Typically, and this year was the same, we had about 2,500 girls, teenage girls, come to this conference, hear the gospel presented from a number of great communicators and times of worship and other creative elements. But this year, we also added a boys' conference. It was the first time we'd done that, and uh, we were unsure as to what to expect. But Saturday morning, when it was time for the boys to show up, we had close to 700 boys show up for this conference, which was really, really great. So it was a highlight, I know, for the team that, that went down from Homestead. I think there was 20 of us all together, which is really, really great. It was a highlight for me. Um, this trip has always been a great experience for Christy and I. Um, it is a lot of work. Um, there's a lot of stress involved. But when we're down there, we always recognize, man, it is more than worth it just for the experience of being there. Uh, but this year was an extra bonus highlight for me because this is the first year for Christy and I that we've had a team from our church. A lot of teenagers come down, so that was so fulfilling for us, rewarding for us to see teenagers and then uh, Stephen Brooke, our youth pastors, and then some other adults as well, just seeing what God did in their hearts. And so actually, you know what, why don't we have those of you who are going to come share I know there are a few of you here. Come on up. We're going to line up here, and we're going to have a few testimonies from this. Um, I wanted them to share a few highlights from the trip um, as a way for you to actually, oh, there it is. Charlie, you're ahead of me. It's a, not the brightest projector, but there's our team at like 4.30 a.m. on Monday morning. Never has a group looked that happy and good at 4.30 on a Monday morning. Totally unaware of what we were going to experience, but there we are, all smiles. That was our team. Um, I wanted to do this. Why don't you, that's actually right there. It's just fine. We'll make a little assembly line of, of communicators. Um, I wanted to just take a time, to, a few minutes today, just to highlight this as a way of saying thank you to Homestead Church. A lot of you gave in offerings and donated um, as a way to provide funds for these young people to go. And so I wanted to say thank you for that. And I want us as a church to always have in front of us this idea that it is bigger than us in this room. It's bigger than us in Farmington. We are a part of a big kingdom. And it is always such a 
fun moment, altar calls in Panama, um, these young people that we will never see again, but they're coming up to receive the Lord and Savior as their Lord and Savior. And I just think that is such a great thing to be a part of. I want to remind us, this is why we are here. We are a part of something big. So we've got six people. This is going to be good. So here is, and what we're going to do, this is the, you got to come to the center to present. Actually come right up here. Okay. It's big, big pressure. Here he is. Kick us off. Thank you. Hola, como estas? <laughs> That's all I got. <laughs> Anyways, uh, my wife and I, Brooke, uh, we were very blessed to be able to go on this trip down to Panama. It was a great week full of um, a lot of great stuff. But today, I just wanted to touch on um, one thing. I just wanted to brag about our youth students. Um, we had 10 youth students and youth leaders that came down to Panama with us. And uh, they rocked it, you guys. They really did. Um, it was really amazing to watch them. Uh, we went into schools, and we um, met with kids, and they don't speak English, right? And so us adults are super awkward, like, hola, <laughs> awkward silence. But our youth students, they connected with them right away. You know, they weren't afraid to just jump in and to minister to these kids. You know, they were dancing with them. Um, they had these kids smiling, and it was just, it was really cool to see um, our young students just jumping right in um, and being the light of Christ. And as far as uh, your kids' work ethics, um, it was unmatched. Really, it was unmatched. It was unbelievable um, to watch these youth students just work their butts off while we were down there. They knew that we were down there to serve, and that's exactly what they did. They served. And when they got finished doing um, a task, they found something else that could be done, and they did it. And they did awesome. So we are just super proud um, of our youth. And as parents, you should be very proud as well. All right. This was our family's first mission trip. So all four of us got to go along. My husband is not here today, and the kids are elsewhere. So um, for me, it was really, there were so many cool things that happened throughout the week. Um, and so many it was so much work, but it was so much fun. We, you know, we spent, I felt like half the time was spent on the bus, <laughs> waiting, waiting to see what our next step was, because everything in Panama is so much slower. Or nothing's on any sort of schedule. Um, but I will reiterate what Stephen said about the youth being so awesome. Nobody complained. We, you know, they had taught us, or t told us before we had left, Jeff and Christy shared, you know, the phrase of Panama's, that's just the way I like it. And so our kids just really embraced that every time. Nobody ever complained about anywhere they were going. Um, but for me, one of the uh, coolest experiences that I had was um, talking, uh, during one of the altar calls at the conference was, um, you know, it's, it's, you know, it really pushes you out of your comfort zone. You're supposed to be going and praying with these kids, and I don't know any Spanish other than hola, pretty much. And, you know, you just approach these kids and start praying for them and things like that. And so at the altar call, it's crowded. Kids are all over the place. But you can see kids in some of the, uh, you know, it's an auditorium setup. You see kids in the rows throughout. And, um, you know, I kept seeing this, uh, this, these two girls that were hugging and hugging. And one of them was crying, and I, you know, I felt like I needed to get over there and pray with them. Um, but they, you know, I'm like, how do I even get there? And so, you know, at the end, it was um, crawling over seats and and just, excuse me, praying with them. And they were, um, the one girl just was sh sobbing and shaking the entire time. 
Um, and so we wrap that up, and I mean, I'm just praying in English. I, you know, I assume they have no idea what I said to them. But then afterwards, another volunteer from another church did come up um, and said, are you the one that was praying with the girls that were in the middle? Because he said, I was up in the balcony, and he said, I just saw them, and I could not get down to them. And I was praying for them up there, and so I just, he was just, it was a confirmation for me that that's where I should have been, that that's, that's um, where the prayer was needed, so. I'm Kayla. I'm 17 years old, and I just want to share a little bit of what Panama did for me. I was, so before I went down there, I met my grandparents for coffee, and they asked if I had any prayer requests that they could be praying over us while we were down there, and I said I wanted to be prayed over to step out of my comfort zone, and when I said that, I met, like, going to the schools and interacting with the kids and, like, being able to talk to them in the little Spanish I know. But um, God decided that I was going to be on stage dancing in front of thousands of girls in a pink tutu. And um, I don't dance. I don't do on stage. And I'm not really a fan of pink. So um, that was out of my comfort zone a lot. And, but it was honestly so awesome to go. It was a really cool experience. And the moment we stepped out on stage, the girls were just screaming. And I just my heart just melted and so I danced for Jesus in a pink tutu and it was awesome. Um, so that's kind of what I took away from Panama is that we need to be able to step out of our com comfort zones and fill the needs that need to be met and with a positive attitude and just the way we like it and there's so many things and so coming here when Jeff asked if anyone could come up on stage I guess like if I can dance in Panama I can talk to a church so here I am so thank you for bringing our team down there and it was awesome. Hi um, I'm Elise uh, this is my first missions trip first time leaving the country um, it was a great experience um, I love going to the schools and just talking with the girls you know with the little Spanish I know but um, I mean, when it would get awkward, we'd be like, oh, como se dice, rain, because the first day it was just pouring. But, I mean, we were just having so much fun. Um, but my moment was at the second conference, and we were, I was just standing um, in an aisle, because I had been out praying with girls, but I got so nervous, because, I mean, sometimes I don't always have the words to say, like right now, my heart is racing. <laughs> But um, I was just standing in an aisle, and uh, Jeff Merricks, the colonel, came up behind me, and he said, hey, I need you. We're going to go out and pray. So we were climbing over aisles, just trying to get to these girls. And he said, that one. I want to pray with that one. So we prayed with that one, and that one, and that one. And we got to the center, and there was this girl. And she was just, you know, in a ball, just crying. And I, I just, I said, we need to pray for that girl. So we go over there, and he, he, so every time we would pray, he'd put his hand on me, because, I mean, I guess it's just not really appropriate for, like, the men to be touching the girls as much. But so we, I just, I hugged this girl, and he prayed over me, and he's just, you know, breaking down in tears, too. I mean, I couldn't really understand him, but, I mean, it was just a great experience, and I was just hugging this girl, and then Jeff went on, and he... I think he continued praying. I wasn't really sure. But I was just hugging this girl. 
and she was just crying, and I was just telling her, you're so beautiful, you're so beautiful, you are so worth it. And then after, after the praying, or altar call, after that kind of ended, she looked up at me, and she was so beautiful. And I just said, you're so beautiful. And she said, I know, I know. And I said, oh, you speak English. She's like, yeah. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay. And so I just said, God is always with you. Like, don't doubt that. And, and she just said, I know, I know. It's just sometimes hard to, you know, believe sometimes. Because, I mean, I have that too. Um, but, I mean, it was just, it was so great to finally meet someone who, you know, sometimes doesn't always have God, but, you know, knows that he's there. So, yeah, thank you. I'm Andrea, and Panama was my first mission trip and my first time out of the country. Um, I wanted to share a little bit of kind of how I got to going to Panama. It's kind of a cool story. Um, I go to Christian Life in Farmington. It's a private school. And I did a school project. We had to create our own missions trip. So we picked random missionaries, and I picked the Kenyans, Garrett and Tara. I had no idea anything about them, and I just started researching on them, and I learned about the Illumina Conference, and I was like, this looks super cool. Like, if I ever had the chance to go down and help with this conference, I would definitely go. And then I found out, like, however many months later that we were going to Panama and putting on this conference, and I told my mom, I said, I don't care what you say, I'm going to this conference. I'm going to help with this. And so when we got down there, I, I had the most amazing time um, trying to talk to the girls with my Spanish, which is also not very good. Um, and we got to, like, dance with them and interact with them. That was super fun. And I think one of my highlights was actually at the conference I got the opportunity to help um, lead worship. And I sang in Spanish, which was, <laughs> that was interesting as well. <laughs> But it was super cool to see all the girls come to the altar, and I got to see, like, the whole entire stadium, all these girls praying and worshiping God, and it was just an amazing experience for me. Good morning. Um, my name is Mackenzie, and this was my second trip to Panama, so I was really, really excited going back. Um, this year for me, like, I was so honored to be a part of the team, and um, what I got to experience was when we would go into the schools and when we would pray over girls at the conference, um, again, I don't speak Spanish, and what little I do is very, very bad. Um, and so for me, like, I almost was frustrated. I was like, God, I wish that I could, like, share my faith. I wish that I could tell these girls how loved they are and how beautiful they are and how much you care for them. And I wanted to share the hope that God had given me. Um, and that wasn't something I was able to do. I wasn't able to, like, fluently tell them what I wanted to. And so something that God challenged me with is he's like, Kenzie, but you can speak it back home, but why don't you do it there? You know, why don't you, like, when the Holy Spirit prompts you, why don't you go up to someone in the grocery store and tell them your faith? And so it's been a really cool outlook coming home of, I can share my faith here. You know, I can communicate. I have the gift to be able to tell other people that, like, this is what I believe in. And so it was just a really cool challenge for me as I'm praying over these girls that God's like, you have the power to do that, and you don't use it all the time. And so I'm really looking forward to being back home and being able to share. So thank you. Thanks, to everyone, for sharing. That was great. It was a wonderful trip. So thanks again to all of you who helped make it happen. Um, Stephen wasn't 
you know, as sometimes when, when you're a parent, you think your kid is awesome, and you're like, oh, my kid is great, and, and other people are like, and so, but Stephen was, was dead on with our homestead team. Um, we had, you know, a lot of teenagers, a lot of uh, teenagers, first ever missions trip, first time out of the country, and they were rock solid, and so we had, I mean, we had people come up and be like, wow, you're, you know, and I'm, I'm not making this up. It was like, your team is really, really great. No complaints. There really wasn't a lot of complaints from other teams, but they, uh, Garrett and Tara themselves said, your team is always willing to serve. They're always helping. I haven't heard a single complaint. And so it was, uh, it was, I was a proud pastor of those young people, especially. And then Jeff and Megan Merricks, um, they really took the lead on our team. Christy and I, we're involved with the conference. So a lot of times when um, our teams were at schools doing assemblies and, and meeting the students there. They would also hand out invitations to the conference. That's when Christy and I were working with Garrett and Tara and getting all the things ready for the conference. So my job for the first few days was just driving the van in Panama, which is my favorite because it's just a total, it's like the opposite of Minnesota driving where everyone comes to a roundabout and stops and waits and waves and nervous. And this is like a free-for-all. Um, I mean, it is a free-for-all. If there's, if traffic's always there. So if you sit in an intersection waiting for someone to let you in, you will die there. So you have to, you have to just kind of drive your way in. And I love it. And so it was, it, that was one of the highlights for me. Not so much for my wife, who would go from extreme to extreme of in the back seat, you know, screaming, like, look out and what are you? And, and then switching from, oh, good job, Jeff. Good job, Jeff. Good job. <laughs> And I would tell her, neither of those are necessary. Why don't we just find the happy middle ground of just, you know, be quiet or something. <laughs> but it was, that was a fun, so while we were doing that, it was when our team was in, was in schools, and Jeff and Megan Merricks really led the way with our team. So a huge thanks to them. Megan worked a lot of hours leading up to the trip, um, just keeping everybody organized, making sure paperwork was in and all that stuff. And then uh, you heard, I don't know who, met, who referred to Jeff Merricks as colonel, but, you know, he's a colonel in the Army. And so he was instantly, and leaders are this way, where Jeff Merricks is a great leader. He just found himself in charge of things and then more things. And pretty much by the end of the conference, everybody referred to him as colonel because that's just what they knew. And we had one of the ladies who's a friend of ours who was in charge of all the, like, the fun zone where all the games were. She came up to Christy later and said, your colonel is awesome. She just said, he just goes out there and stuff gets done. And so it was, um, we had comment after comment about our team. We had people come and say, wow, your church is great. Your team is great. I wish I could come to Homestead. And so that was a, I was a proud pastor for our team. Huge thanks to Jeff and Megan Merricks. Um, it was a great, uh, it was a great example of just a group of people saying, I'm willing to serve. I'm willing to serve wherever. Real quick, and I have a, a short sermon to go that fits with what we're talking about today. And I know in church, there's nothing worse than looking at your watch and saying, time's almost up. And the pastor's about to start his sermon. <laughs> I've been there. Um, I guess I'm there right now. Um, we had, um, what was I saying? What was I just saying? Merricks. Oh, Jeff Merricks. One quick story, and he was, he was wanting to share this story, an amazing testimony that he shared with us. He was at a school. Well, he was at one of the schools, and he just felt, it's time when the altar call, you know, this is public schools, and there's altar calls, and people being prayed for. It's really great, really great. But there was a moment where he just saw a boy sitting there, 
And Jeff Merricks, the colonel, describes it as this. He's just, I felt like God, the Holy Spirit, was telling me, go pray for him. And as you've heard, not many people spoke a lot of Spanish, but he was obedient. He went over and just put his hands on this young boy. And he said, as soon as I did that, I couldn't even speak. He, he said, I just began to, like, start weeping and crying, and I couldn't even talk. He was just so overwhelmed by what God, what God was speaking to him. And he said, all I could get out was just Jesus, Jesus. He just kept saying the name Jesus. Now, in this next part, you know, some people might see this as too charismatic, but this is something we believe. We believe that God enables us to speak in tongues and speak in a heavenly language. And so Jeff says, and then I just started praying in tongues. I just started praying in tongues. And, and he said, I prayed and prayed, and I, could, I just felt like, you know, the, the boy I was praying for was agreeing and listening. And he said, and, and as I was doing that, I'm, he said, I'm not positive, but I'm pretty sure what was happening was that I was praying in Spanish in a way that this boy could understand, just by the power of God coming on, on the colonel. And, uh, and so what a cool moment. I mean, I loved those moments, not only for this boy being ministered to, but for people on our team growing in their faith, recognizing when they're sensing that God is speaking to them, and just being obedient, just being obedient, which is really what uh, the story that we find in the Gospel of Luke today is all about. It's a well-known story. It's found in Luke chapter 9. I want to read these verses and uh, just give a couple thoughts, jumping off of what we have shared um, so far about our trip to Panama. Luke chapter 9, starting in verse 10. The words will be on the screen. This is the miracle of Jesus feeding the 5,000. Um, so I'm just going to read these verses. Luke chapter 9, 10 through 17. When the apostles returned, we got those words, there we go. When the apostles returned, they reported to Jesus what they had done. Then they took them with him, and they withdrew by themselves to a town called Bethsaida. But the crowds learned about it and followed him. He welcomed them and spoke to them about the kingdom of God and healed those who needed healing. So we'll stop there for a second. So right before this, Jesus has called his 12 disciples, the apostles, and now he's sending them out. He sent them out on a mission. It's like he sent them on their first missions trip, teaching them that they don't have to be around Jesus to walk in his authority. If you were here two weeks ago, Christy did such a great job preaching a message about the authority that we have in Jesus. So Jesus sends the disciples out, and now they've come back from their missions trip, so to speak, and they want to tell Jesus about all they experienced. But the crowds follow, and Jesus again um, takes time to minister to the crowds. Pick it up in verse 12. Late in the afternoon, the 12 came to him and said, send the crowd away so they can go to the surrounding villages and countryside and find food and lodging because we are in a remote place here. And he replied, you give them something to eat. And they answered, we only have five loaves of bread and two fish unless we go and buy food for all this crowd. About 5,000 men were there, which means they counted the men. So women and children were not counted. So this means there was well over 5,000 people there. But he said to the disciples, have them sit down in groups of about 50 each. The disciples did so and everyone sat down. Taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke them. And he gave them to the disciples to distribute to the people. And they all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. So that is the story of the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000. It is the only story that is found in all four Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, they all tell that story. Um, and again, Jesus wants to be alone with his disciples to teach them, but he 
has mercy on the crowds. It shows that Jesus cares about people whenever the crowds find him. And then they realize they need food. They need food for a lot of people. We had, at the conference in Panama, we had to feed everybody lunch on Saturday, which was about 2,000 girls and about 700 boys. And so it was hot dog lunches for everybody. So again, our team, as well as all the volunteers there, one of their jobs then was pack 3,000 box lunches, go. And so they would, you know, we had, that's one of the nice times of having 300 volunteers ready to work. Um, Jesus sees this issue. The disciples come to him and they say, we've got all these people, they have nothing to eat. And, and Jesus says to them, you give them something to eat, which is interesting to me. And I think it's a way of Jesus saying to them, remember disciples, you don't need you don't need me to do everything. You walk in my authority. This is what he's trying to teach them. You are my representative, so you can also do this. And this story has several elements which are important. And I've heard a number of sermons on this story. Um, I've heard a number of sermons that talk about how when we look at the natural, we look at how we are limited, we look at what little we have, that is nothing compared to what God can do, right? When we, when we see shortages, God works in the supernatural. God works in abundance. But there is an element of this story that I want to highlight today, and it really fits well with our Panama team coming back from Panama. And it's a detail that Luke doesn't include. He doesn't include this detail in his account of this story. If you read this same story in the Gospel of John, there's one little detail that's left out in Luke, and it's this. It's where the five loaves and two fish came from. The disciples found a boy who had some food with him. He had five loaves and two fish, and he was willing to give that to Jesus. The boy was willing to give what he had to take his simple offering and say, I don't have a ton. I don't have a lot, but I'm willing to give. I'm willing to offer it up. I'm willing to be a part of the solution. And Jesus used that small, humble offering from that boy to feed that multitude of people. So I have a couple thoughts on that. Um, In this group of people, of 5,000 people, Is it possible that that boy was the only boy who had any food with him? Is he the only boy? Now, if you're thinking of an age demographic of someone who's going to plan ahead, a young boy is not that person, right? The young boy could not have been the only person who thought ahead and said, you know what, I better pack a little snack for later. So I, I like to think that there was probably other people in that crowd that had a little bit of food. But what were they thinking? They were thinking... This is my food. This can feed me. This is going to do nothing for 5,000 people. So I'm just going to hang on to this for myself. Um, but this boy was simply willing to say, you know what? This probably isn't going to do a lot, but Jesus, you can do with it what you want. There's no way that this boy, in my mind, was the only one who had food, but he was the only one who was willing to give it up. He was the only one willing to say, you know what, I'm not just looking out for me. I'm looking out for the greater good. I'm looking out for what Jesus can do for the multitude. It shows some childlike faith that this boy had. Uh, Maybe he just thought, well, he needs food. I've got food. Problem solved. Maybe he didn't do the math. Like, you know, he had that childlike faith. And another thing I think about with this, does Jesus, did Jesus need those loaves and fish? Was Jesus sitting there thinking, oh man, if only I could come up with some food, I I wish there was some loaves and fish that I could supernaturally multiply for everybody. No, I mean, he could have, like, conjured up, you know, turned rocks into loaves and fishes. I mean, he's the son of God, right? He didn't need the boy's fish. He didn't need the boy's loaves of bread. But yet he wanted to teach 
the group there, he wanted to teach his disciples, he wanted to teach us today that he wants us to be a part of the miracle. He wants us to be like that boy and simply say, here's what I have to offer. Jesus, this might not be much, but in your hands, you can do a miracle through it. You can do the miraculous through it. And that's the story of the feeding of the 5,000, and that's the lesson that I want to highlight today. And that's this. Yes, God, you can do anything. And yes, God, you care about the needs, the practical needs of people. And when the multitudes are around and the people are around, you care for them, yes. But you want us to be involved in the process of meeting those needs. He wants to use us. He wants to use you in the miracle. He wants to use what you have. He, want, he not only wants to provide for needs, but he wants us to live every day like that boy, simply saying, Jesus, here's what I have. Here's what I have. You can use it. You can use it. And I know in your hands you can do amazing things. You can do miracles. And then I love to think about that little boy giving Jesus his, giving the disciples and Jesus his loaves and fish. And then can you imagine how he felt when he sees Jesus doing that miracle? All of a sudden, it's multiplying, and thousands of people are being fed. I mean, what was going on in his heart? Of those are that's that's my loaves and fish. That's that was my food. Look what Jesus is doing with what I offered. Look at what Jesus is doing with what I gave him. Can you imagine how he felt walking home that day, telling his mom or his dad, "You're never gonna guess what you did. Remember that lunch you made me pack? You're never gonna guess what happened, mom, with that lunch." Um, imagine the fulfillment that he had at the end of that day. Compare that to the people who probably had some food that they were stashing away saying, I'm not giving that up. This is my food. I'm not going to. They're walking away thinking, oh, man, I would have liked to have been a part of that. I would have liked to not only been the recipient of the miracle, but a participator in the miracle, right? Imagine they're, they're probably thinking, oh, I wish, I wish, I wish I would have just trusted him to offer what I had, to offer what little I had. All week in Panama, I, again, we've, we've shared a number of highlights. I hear stories from our teenagers and when the colonel told me his testimony of praying for that boy. and um, There were so many moments, and I, didn't, I wasn't for sure that I was going to preach on this, this today when we were in Panama, but so many moments I was looking around, hearing testimonies from our church, seeing what God was doing, and all I kept thinking, the one thing I kept thinking was, this is loaves and fishes. This is loaves and fishes. This is... Hundreds of people just simply saying, God, my Spanish isn't so great. Um, I've never been on stage before. I don't know really how to do this, but what I have, I'm offering you. What I have, I'm offering you. And we saw in Panama hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people just simply say, God, what I have, I give to you. We saw our team, 20 people, our teenagers simply say to God, Jesus, I, I have this and I offer this to you. My favorite thing on these trips is seeing how God orchestrates a team. Um, every year we've gone, there's been a moment, and every year there's always a time where we need, again, it's fairly last minute, partly because Christy and I kind of roll last minute, and partly because it's a missions, it's a conference we're trying to put together last minute, and Panama is very last minute, so it's like the, the Bermuda Triangle of procrastination. Um, 
But there was, every year we've always had a moment where we're like, we need someone who knows costumes, who can sew some costumes. And every year, without fail, someone will say, oh, there's a seamstress in our church. And this, you know, there was some ladies from Wisconsin. There was a large church from Kenosha, Wisconsin that sent a big team down. So, okay, you can do that. And every time we're like, you know what, I need someone who understands video projectors. And, oh, this guy over here does that, so I can just hand that off to him. I love that. I, Kayla shared the story of, you know, she is not a pink frilly tutu girl, but she was willing to serve and dance around on the stage because there was a moment where we had this opening number and we needed some choreography. And there was a moment on Thursday where we were pretty convinced this all wasn't going to get pulled off. And we just said, Homestead team, you're our dancers for this number. And so here's your, here's your flowers to hold. Here's your pink outfits. Go. And so, and, and Kayla, who is like, oh, pink. And so, but Again, seeing them just saying, you know what? They stepped up and they said, I can offer what I have. Um, there was a, a, a number that we did that the, the lights were all going to be off and we had some LED lighting and some costumes and we had a bunch of people have butterfly wings made out of like light wire. So it was, you know, all the lights were going to be off and we had all these people and, and their job was basically just kind of dance around the stage. You don't need like deep choreography training for this. The lights are going to be off. You got glowy butterfly wings on your back. Now get out there and spin around in circles is kind of how it is kind of how it went. Well, there was a young boy there who wanted to be a part of this, but he wouldn't do it unless his dad went out there with him. And so you just see his dad. And so we're, we're telling him, it's, it's okay. All the lights are going to be off. And he's like, okay. So he was willing to do it for his kid, which I loved watching that. He was like, okay, if me going out there prancing around with butterfly wings means my, my kid will be able to do that, so be it. But what, <laughs> what happened was there was a miscommunication with the lighting guy who only speaks Spanish. And so the lights weren't exactly off. And so I just see the guy, every time he turns his back to the crowd, he's just looking like, oh, and then smiles. And so... We got it fixed. We did that number twice, and we got it fixed the second time. But I love that. I love that story. It's always just those moments where people are stepping up. Anytime there was a need, I was actually having quite a bit of back pain this week. And I was, it was like two days into the trip, and I was sitting at the restaurant, and I was like, oh, this is going to be a long week. And the person sitting across from me is a friend of mine who lives in Wisconsin. He's like, are you having a back, back pain? I said, yeah, it's just been really bugging me. He's like, we got a chiropractor over there. He'll come see. I'm like, and so this guy, you know, word got out there was a chiropractor there. So I think he spent, and, you know, we don't have a chiropractor bed there. So he put some chairs, and he was willing to serve. And I think for about two and a half hours that night, people were lined up for him to just crack there. And it was great. I mean, it made a huge difference for me. And I talked to him later, and he said the same thing. He said, you know what, I can do different things, but here's something I can offer. And I just go, anytime I'm on a missions trip, he said, anytime I'm on a missions trip, I simply say, here's something I can do, and I know there's going to be someone who needs help with getting their back cracked. And so he, he served. But my favorite, my favorite was our very own Dalton Nelson, who is up in kids' church today. Um, him and Stephen were in charge of kind of backstage. So anytime a prop needed to get brought out, we had confetti cannons, so they'd run up and fill the confetti cannons. And we had this thing called the wow machine, which we ordered, because we saw it online, and we said, well, just by name alone, we got to get it. I don't even know what it does, but it sounds awesome. But it was like a, a confetti fan. So you'd fill it with confetti, and you'd turn it on, and it would just blow confetti everywhere. Well, Dalton's job 
was to crawl out, like, because it had to be refilled at certain times during the songs. And so he would crawl out, like, army crawl style from underneath the drum riser in the middle of it while, you know, his friends are dancing around in pink tutus and fill it up. So I would be singing, and every time it would catch me off guard and be like, ah, and I, because I'd see Dalton. Crawling out, and Dalton is simply just said, "You know what? This is my job. This is what I can offer. This is what I can do to serve." So I love that Dalton. You know, Dalton has an obvious call of God on his life. If you know Dalton, and I love that he's just there serving. And there's a picture. I don't even know what Instagram feed it's on. I think maybe the El Refuge or the Illumina Instagram feed. I should have got it today. But there's a picture of Christy singing a song on the riser in her pretty dress that the seamstresses sewed and. And the wow machine, there's confetti going, and way in the bottom of the corner, you see Dalton's face <laughs> as he's pouring in, as he's pouring in confetti. But um, and all those moments with the chiropractor, with the wow machine, with our dancing butterflies, with people, people were there whose job it was just to simply sit on a staircase and prevent kids from going up these stairs because they weren't allowed to. So these gentlemen would just sit there and say, this is my job. This is what I can do. I'm going to serve. And so all week I just kept saying, this is loaves and fishes. This is loaves and fishes. This is a group of people saying, Jesus, I, don't, I might not have a ton to offer. It might not even be anything that's on the stage. It might be sitting on a staircase, you know, directing traffic. But when we offer it to God, when we simply say, this is what I have in my hand, this is what I have to offer, man, look at what Jesus can do with some loaves and fishes. Look at what Jesus, you know, Panama team, look at what Jesus did with your simple offerings. Collectively, he, you know, 2,000 years ago, he fed a multitude of people. Well, last week, he changed eternities for thousands of young lives. For some of you, it was, I can't go to Panama, but I can help send somebody there. And that's why we're saying thank you today, because you were loaves and fishes people. You simply offered up what you have. And say, God, just use it. Multiply it. Allow it to change lives. Allow it to feed a multitude, to change eternities. Um, each night in Panama, and I think it was mentioned by somebody, and I'm just about done. I know we're going a little bit over. Um, each night in Panama, I would go to bed and I'd be completely exhausted, and I would be completely full. I would just be, you know that feeling when you're just recognizing you're a part of something, and you're like, oh, I'm so glad I'm a part of this. You know, that feeling of, I have worked all day, my feet are killing me, my phone is saying I walked, you know, seven miles today or whatever it was, and took 50,000 steps, I am exhausted, but I'm feeling all full on the inside because I was a part of something where God simply used me and my gifts used our team and what they had to offer to do a miracle. And I left Panama, and my one takeaway was I want to have more days like that. I want to live more days where I end the day feeling like, yeah, I'm full. I'm full of life because I offered God at the start of the day what I had, and look at what he did throughout the day. Look at the miracles he did throughout the day. I want to have more days like that. Are you with me? Do you want to have more days like that? I would love to have more days where I feel all full on the inside and worn out on the outside. We had times where it was a battle when we had to pray through things, when we had to work hard, where we were facing opposition. But at the end of the day, we're like, man, I would go through it again because I'm a part of something where I am seeing God take loaves and fishes and feed a multitude. I want to end more days feeling like that. I want to offer God, maybe that, I want to challenge you with this, offer God what you have. Don't be like those people that just say, well, i got to protect what's mine i got to protect what's mine. Just simply live open-handed and say, God, what I have, 
gifts, talents, resources, abilities, relationships. What I have, I simply offer to you. It might not be much, and other people might look at that and say, that's not going to do anything. But in the hands of God, he can do a miracle. Amen? He can do a miracle. And I want to challenge, well, all of you, but the Panama team, this does, I, I was thinking about this for our young people. This doesn't have to be a once-a-week thing. This isn't something that you just feel on a missions trip. Kenzie, you said it best. You, you came home realizing, well, I can do this at home where I actually speak the language. You know, take that obstacle out of the way. I can do this at home. Why don't we live like that every day here? We get so stuck in the routine, social media, and just spending hours on that and watching TV and going through the routine of, you know, going to work and coming home and plopping on the couch and that's it. Why don't we just say, Lord, I want to make the most of this day. I want to take what I have and offer it to you every day. And we could see God fill us up and we'll be so glad that we're a part of it. And we'll see him feed the multitudes. We'll see him do miracles in our community and in our world. And I promise you, I promise you, you'll end more days feeling completely fulfilled, feeling full of life because God is using you. So I don't know what that means for you, practically speaking. Maybe it's just, maybe it's finding a place to serve here at the church. I love the local church because it's kind of a mechanism for doing all these things where we say, God, I can offer you what I have, and I'm going to collectively pool that together with all the other people of Homestead Church, and we're going to see what you can do through that. Maybe it's finding a place to serve. Maybe it's serving in our community. Maybe it's inviting someone to church, just as simple as that, or building a relationship with an unsaved person on your street or in your neighborhood, and just extending an invitation, or just building that relationship with them. Um, Whatever it is, just simply, and maybe this week you want to do that, just say, God, what is it that I have to offer? What can I offer you? And be willing to give it, whatever he says. Be willing to give it, whatever you feel led to or prompted to. This fall at Homestead, you know, it's kind of church season where everyone gets, you know, people with cabins and vacations who aren't us because we're here. They come back from the summer and they come back from all their traveling. And then there's other people. People are willing to have an invitation to church. People are open. I've... I was talking to, I was at a wedding last night helping out with some music, and I was talking to the photographer. And the, church, and the conversation led to church, and it, I was, again, surprised, not surprised, I was just reminded, people are open to talk about this. People are open to have an invitation to church. So we talked about it, and she lives in downtown Minneapolis, so I told her about other churches that I know that are in downtown Minneapolis. People are open to this. Let's be willing to share. Let's... It, Maybe our, our offering to God is simply just an invitation to church. But this fall, I want us to be thinking about that as a church, as individuals, as families. What do you have that you can offer to God? And through that, we can see him do the miraculous. Amen? Let's pray together. Thank you, Lord, for your hand in our lives. And again, I am reminded today that your kingdom is big, that you are at work. Even today, in those young lives in Panama that were touched last week, you are stirring their hearts. You are working through the local churches in Panama today. You are working through our friends, the missionaries, Garrett and Tara, there today. All around the world, your kingdom is advancing. So we want to be a part of that. And it doesn't have to be something huge. It's just simply loaves and fishes. So, God, we take what we have to offer today, and we offer it to you. We give it to you. We give it to you. Whether it is a financial resource, whether it's a, a, a talent that we have or a way that we can serve 
a, a, a spiritual gift that you've given us. Um, maybe it is just that we can leverage our relationships in our community to, to share our faith, to bring a meal to someone who is in need, just to be a light. Whatever it is, God, we want to we be a part of your kingdom, and we thank you so much that you invite us into the process. We want to end more days feeling like we were poured out for you, that we were poured out for you and you filled us up with abundant life. So I pray that you would teach each of us individually how we can do that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.